a quick word from our sponsor. Wait, that's me. I know I have a lot of podcast episodes for you to get through, and it can be really, really overwhelming to try and figure out where to start or to comb through which ones might be uh, appropriate for you, whether you're trying to decide whether to stay or go, or you're already on the other side of the divorce process. Like, how do you know what to listen to? I have solved the problem for you. All you have to do is go to kateanthony.com slash playlist. Answer a few short questions, and I will send you a curated list of podcast episodes to best support you as you navigate these tricky waters. I'll also help you identify where you currently stand on this journey and what's ahead with resources to help you move through this process with knowledge and grace. So all you need to do is go to kateanthony.com slash playlist, answer a few short questions, and you will have your curated list of podcast episodes that will support you wherever you are in your journey. Welcome to the Divorce Survival Guide podcast, where we have open and honest conversations about co-parenting, separation, divorce, and the hardest question of all, should you stay or should you go? I'm Kate Anthony, your divorce survival guide, and I'm here to help you navigate some of the roughest waters you've ever swum in and answer some of your toughest questions. I've been to hell and back, and now it's my mission in life to help you get to the other side of this process with your sanity and your heart intact. Hey everyone, welcome back. So today on the podcast, I have with me my dear friend, Christina McGee and award-winning filmmaker, Ellen Bruno. And we're here to talk about their new film, Split Up the Teen Years. Ellen was on the podcast a while back to talk about the first film, Split, in which they followed a group of kids and I think they were 8 to 12 years old. I could be wrong. Split Up, the teen years, returns to the lives of those children as teenagers and sort of reflecting back how um, their parents' divorces impacted them. It's an amazing film. It's an amazing film. And uh, Ellen and Christina are here today to talk to us about the film and in addition to that, we are hosting, we are co-hosting a screening of the film for you guys on Friday, May 12th, just before Mother's Day. And it'll be at 11 a.m. Uh, Pacific, so 2 p.m. Eastern and whatever else that is for you. Um we're going to be hosting a screening and a, a live Q&A together. So you can get information on that at kateanthony.com slash split. Now, if you attended my talk yesterday in my Facebook group about, you know, divorce with kids and basically um, all the things about how to not fuck up your kids in this whole divorce process and how your divorce might impact 
your children. You know that I also created um, a bit of a special bonus for you guys. For anyone who is considering doing my Should I Stay or Should I Go program, you can get $50 off of the um, program until Monday, May 24th. I think that's just Monday morning. Um, And we are also giving anyone who signs up between now and that time using the promotion, um, which is you can get the coupon automatic, the deduction automatically by using the link kateanthony.com slash kids. So just type that URL in and the coupon will be automatically uh, applied, but you will also get um, a free ticket to the screening of Split Up the Teen Years. So um, we have a couple of ways for you to see this film. One is to um, jump in on the promotion that I'm running on Should I Stay or Should I Go and get $50 off the full price and a free ticket to split up the teen years. Or you can just go to split up uh, kateanthony.com slash split and uh, just buy a ticket to the screening. Um, there is an early bird price for the screening. It is $15 until uh, May 5th, and then the price goes up to $25. So um, if you were to purchase a ticket and to watch the film on the website, it's actually more than that. Um, They're really trying to recoup some of the funds that have been invested in making this film. Um, It's an incredible film. It's an important film, and I really hope that you find one of the ways to watch it with us on Friday, May 12th. And without further ado, here's my conversation about Split Up the Teen Years with Christina McGee and Ellen Bruno. Ellen and Christina, I'm so happy to have you back, both of you back, to talk about Split Up the Teen Years. First of all, I want to go back. It's been a while since we talked about Split, um, the original film. So I want to go back and tell everyone about the first film and how it segues into this new film. When my kids' dad and I were separating and the kids were quite young, it became clear that there wasn't a lot in support in terms of films and support of kids or in support of parents. You know, I I remember looking around for some divorce support group and I thought, wow, I'm in San Francisco. There's not really anything available. And I thought that's interesting and odd and too bad. And then I started Mm -hmm. looking for material books or videos for my kids. And there didn't seem to be anything that didn't feel a little yucky or a little strange to me. And I thought, well, it would be easy enough to to create something. I'm a filmmaker. I, you know, had the tools, so to speak, and and so that was really the impetus for creating the first film, which is really very simply, twelve kids, uh, ages six to twelve, talking about their experience of their parents separating and their families changing, and you know, it's not. Um, there's no no parents. Uh, no professionals. It's really just the voice of kids with with children's uh, drawings and animation, and it's it's kind of perky and lively and funny and you know deep and you know it's the, the whole spectrum. And um, so 
when that film was created, it, it seemed to be quite comforting for kids and, you know, made them feel like they weren't alone. And um, there were other kids that were dealing with the same issues that have gotten through it okay and are surviving. And, you know, they see a bunch of cool kids on the screen that are talking to them really directly about their experiences. And so um, it was a real winner, really. And um, and there was a demand pretty early in the game for um, from parents and professionals who said, hey, would love something like this for older kids. We're dealing, my kids are teenagers, our young adults are, you know, yeah. mental health professionals working. And so that really became the the um, uh, the motivation for creating the second film, which is actually the same kids 10 years later, you know, and looking back at really the entirety of their childhoods and, and talking really frankly and straight and straightforward way about, you know, what was difficult for them, what they wish their parents had done differently, uh, what worked well. And um, so, you know, the, the film's been done for a few months now and it's it's been received with open arms, you know, and both the perspective for parents of saying, okay, well, there's sort of a, uh, a look into the future, you know, how do the choices that I make now how will they affect my kids in five years or in 10 years or when they're adults? And there's a pretty significant connection between choices parents make and the way parents frame the changing family and the separation or divorce. Um, that has a pretty profound impact on their kids. And so it's good information for parents. It really is. And I, it, and it's really, it's so profound to see these kids there. Some of them are like mind blowingly, um, <laughs> you know, emotionally intelligent, um, spiritually grounded, one in particular that just is, you know, blows your mind, right? <laughs> and they're talking about these these things in a way that I've just found it comforting, poignant, and and deep, and like almost like they they are the best teachers. Yes. Right? Like yes. Christina and I can spend all, you know, co- can be coaching parents till you know the end of time which we hope to be doing but at the end of the day hearing hearing the the words come from these children who've experienced it there's no better there's no better coach than these kids well and the other piece of that is that it gives the thing one of the many things i love about these films and one of the reasons that i immediately wanted to be involved in this project is that I feel like it gives parents the emotional distance, right? To mm. hear from kids that are very much like their own kids and kind of make those connections. But it's in a way that it gives us that distance to kind of hear what they're saying and then make the association. Cause some of this is really, it's really hard to step sometimes into those moments with our kids and really truly be there and to create an environment where kids don't feel the pressure to have to filter mm. what they say to us, right? Yeah. So this is like an unfiltered look into yeah. how this experience feels um, inside of children's lives. And, and it is so incredibly profound and there's so many lessons to learn oh. um, if parents will open themselves up. And I, I, I love the fact that this, these two films kind of bookend right? Mm -hmm. Here's kind of some beginning stages, but there's also this glimpse because I think as parents, we sometimes fall into this belief 
this hope, right? That kids are just going to get over it and they're going to kind of move on. And it was hard, right? But they'll be fine. It's behind us. It's behind us now. And the truth is, is that the choices you're making on the front end don't just affect the immediate moment. They affect the rest of your children's lives, right? This Mm -hmm. isn't just a one-off experience. It's a part of your kids' lives for the rest of their lives. And so having that insight can really be so super valuable in guiding you about the choices you make moving forward. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And, you know, you said Ellen really split the first movie. You created it for kids, for your kids, ultimately. Right. But it's for kids. And then we're also talking about like having parents watch it so that they understand what it, you know, looks like from, you know, looking back and everything. So is split up the teen years, is do you still see this as a movie film for for children or is it for parents? Is it for both? Like how how do you define the two audiences and and recommend the viewing for the two audiences? Well, that we very strongly recommend that parents watch either film before sharing it with their kids or their teens or young adults. Um, And um, Christina can tell you more about that. Let me just jump ahead, though, before um, Christina jumps in and and say that um, something that we're we're very excited about is that um, apart from the kids viewing, it has these films are incredibly useful for informing parents Parents can watch this film without even sharing it with their kids. And it could be a game changer in terms of the kind of choices they make. That's right. Uh, and, yeah, and what sure. happened? Yeah. And what happens is, you know, believe me, I've been there. You know, I had a very difficult divorce and a, that lasted a very long time. Mm-hmm. And um, I understand well how hard it is as a parent to try to manage your hurt or your anger or, you know, your your feelings of revenge or really whatever it is that you're, you're having in relation to the other parent. Um, I think what these films do is they call upon us to, they call upon our higher selves. And it's something that is a choice parents can make despite how difficult the circumstances are of their separation. One of the best things parents can do for their children is to just rise above it at as hard as that is. We do many difficult, hard things for our children. And this is one of the greatest gifts we can give our kids is to say, you know what? I'm constantly under attack from the other parent or I feel very hurt or resentful about what happened that resulted in our separation. Whatever the circumstances are, I am going to go deep within and call upon my strength, rise up, not necessarily play be a victim in relation to the other parent or be the aggressor in relation to the other parent but really look deep within for the power that you have as a parent as a parent to your child or your children and say okay I'm going to stand in that place of power I can do it and make choices that are really benefiting my kids don't make the other parent the motivation for the choices you're making really focus on the kids. And if that means swallowing your pride, if that means kind of burying temporarily some anger in order to make, or some hurt in order to make a better choice for your kids, really keep the kids in mind because the truth is some of the choices we make as parents are harmful to our kids. 
and I'm not talking about the choice to separate or divorce. I'm not, I'm talking about the choices that have happened after that decision, whether that decision is yours or not. We have the power to make this a much less difficult experience for our kids, despite what's going on with the other parent. And so I hope that mm. the films really motivate the parents in that way to rise up, take the high road, make the best choice for your kids, and we can do it. It just is a matter of making a decision to step outside of the chaos of our anger or our hurt or our resentment and make better choices for our kids. Thank you for doing a really wonderful promo for my program. <laughs> um, yes, right. And I think you are so you're so right. And I one of the important things that you just said, because I hear I can hear my audience right now, right? The one of the most important things that you said there is despite what the other parent is doing. Right. And right, because I can hear my audience. Well, I'm 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 fine. I'm willing to do that. But my ex. Oh, I've been there. Believe me. You know, I mean, I was in a situation where, where my veteran attorney of 40 years said, I've never seen a case like yours where despite what you do, you cannot make change in this difficulty of this relationship. And when she said that, it, all of a sudden I realized, you know what? Nothing I can do can bring change. So why don't I just get on with my life, get on with my happiness? And I think that's the thing is for parents, we're not just talking about kids, we're talking about ourselves as parents. We need to get on with our lives. We need to get on with our happiness. We need to leave this hurt and anger and resentment behind because it's only it's it's only to, it's toxic for ourselves as well as our children. We're, we have to move towards joy for our own lives, not just for our children's lives. And that's where parents need to understand this choice just isn't about whether you're kind of getting one over on your ex or not, or whatever the complication of that emotional equation is. No, this is about choosing joy and happiness in your own life and leaving those toxic emotions behind for your own good and your children's own good, for everybody to have more joy and love in their lives. And in order to do that, you need to move forward. You need to get out of the muck of those toxic feelings despite what the other parent is doing, egging you on, instigating, whatever's going on, just move forward. Moving forward, <laughs> we're just moving forward with a vision of joy and happiness and love in mind. Oh, so and good. that's so hard to do. And yes. that's oh, yeah. so hard to and do. And that's so right? hard to do, right? And Especially so in do. the face of the conflict, right? Mm -hmm. Especially right. when you feel like you're pushing against this immovable object. Right. Yeah. So um, I'm going to do a good promo for your for your um, group, too. OK. <laughs> oh, great. Oh, I'm please. just saying, because yeah. I think that we can beat ourselves up as parents, you know, yeah. when we can't rise above, like we don't have limitless amounts of willpower, <laughs> you know, <laughs> right. and the more stressed we are, the quicker it gets used up. And when you it's very hard to step into those moments with the very, you may have the very best of intentions. And I, I think the key is, yes, these films bring a tremendous amount of insight and inspiration to taking that high road. And remember, you don't have to go it alone. Like right. one of the best things that you can do for yourself to really show up your kids is have a circle of support. Yes. Have people that you are connected to that get it, that are not inside the frame of your life, 
right? Mm -hmm. That don't have necessarily emotional connection to your situation that can offer you some perspective or connect with other people who get it, right? Oh yeah, me too. Been there. That's super tough. And be gracious with yourself because you're going to make mistakes. You're going to mess it up. There's going to be a moment where you are not going to be perfectly poised. (laughs) You're going to take the bait, but the key isn't avoiding mistakes. The key is learning from them. Mm -hmm. That's right. We can't do that necessarily on our own. We've got to have input. We've got to have support. Mm -hmm. Um, And that is one of the mistakes that I see parents make over and over again, is that they they don't connect with support. They try to go it alone. And let's face it, even though this is a really common experience, there's so much stigma and shame around yeah. divorce that still exists today and, and feelings of guilt and failure. And so how do we move past that? Yeah. Um, I, I, th- I think that that's really critical. So, you know, groups like yours are super important to give people that space where they can Let's have those conversations and explore those feelings. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. That's, and that is, that is why I created grit and grace in particular, right. For that to create that container. Um, And, you know, and I think that that is what this film does too, right. This film offers up the opportunity for people to see, first of all, how other people have done it, but, and the impact it's had on the kids, because you can see it is, it is, I was going to say it's in black and white, but it's not. It's in vivid color, <laughs> um, beautiful, vivid color. The the different experiences of the children whose parents did it in in different ways, right? It's it's mind blowing how um, how clear it is, and it's not just both of my parents, you know, did this well, right? It you can see the you know, the different configurations uh, and and how one parent can actually set the tone and create the container. What's interesting about the um, listening to the teens is you, you can actually see how parents' choices have resulted in these kids having a better easier or more difficult experience yeah. because they're yeah. very articulate about that. If if my parents could have gotten it together to be at the same soccer game, they don't have to sit together, but, you know, rather than saying, I'm not showing up if your mother's there, or I'm not showing up if your dad's there. I, I would have had a much better childhood. I mean, it's simple things like that. You know, right. if my parents could have showed up for my birthday or, or made it less awkward when we were together as sort of an extended changed family, my life would have been easier and less stressful. Um, you know, the kids talk a lot about how they are caretaking their parents. And I think parents aren't always aware of this because there's so much going on in the midst of family change, so much emotionally, psychologically, financially, logistically. There's a lot that parents have to track and take care of and manage. And I, I don't think what they realize is a lot of our kids are actually very busy taking on the burden of being super good so I don't cause more waves or when mom or dad asks me, how are you doing? Oh, I'm fine. You know, you don't have to worry about me or, you know, engaging in this constant calculus about, well, if I um, spend more time with my dad, my mom's going to think I love him more. If I spend more time with my mom, my dad's, you know, and 
you know, this this whole balancing and preoccupation with fairness, especially as they get older and they have more ability to choose where they want to spend their time. We, we also saw a pattern of when there was continued high conflict between parents, kids got pretty tired of being in the middle of that. And right. it, it's exhausting. And when you're a teenager and suddenly you can make choices about where you're going to be, you know, some kids will tend to settle in one camp or the other. And then the other parent tends to fade into the distance a little bit. So, you know, I think that's another thing for parents to understand is that, you know, the ideal obviously is for these kids to have really good relationships with both parents, really strong relationships with both parents. So don't put them in a situation where they have to be the mediator or the peacemaker, or they have to choose one camp or another just to make their life more less stressful. Um, And also we see in the film that, you know, the way kids handle their separation, excuse me, the way parents handle their separation um, imprints on kids in terms of how, how do you deal with difficult situations in life and, and how do you deal with relationships when things get tough and all relationships have tough times. And so, you know, there's this imprinting that's happening with these kids that they can actually articulate in their teens and as young adults, you know, in terms of how they feel about romantic relationships. Do they even believe in them? Is there any, do they, do they imagine anything in their future? Because they don't have really good modeling and it doesn't mean you need to stay together if it's a really difficult relationship. But if you are choosing to separate, realize that you're modeling behavior for your kids about relationships and about problem solving, not just about interpersonal relationships. It's going to affect all of the ways they look at difficulty and stress, you know? And so we can't yeah. underestimate how we're modeling for our children. It's almost like an imprint. And we all know it as adults. And when we look back and, you know, when we're pressed, we come out with something our mother said, and it's like, where did that come from? It's almost like when we're, <laughs> When, we're, when our resources are low, we default to our parents. I Sometimes I think, oh, my God, I'm becoming my father. How do you know? And I mean, that's fabulous in a lot of ways. But it's also like it makes you realize that these 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 this patterning, this behavioral patterning and this understanding of what's possible really seeps deeply into our kids. So our, our kids, our kids are sponges. They're watching how we're doing things and how we're managing this. And and that's a teaching to them. So let's make it as good a teaching, as positive a teaching as possible, you know, through our example, as hard as it is, we have to do our best to keep that as a goal. Given how clear this is in the film, what takeaways or or what, how do you feel parents can, you know, what we're talking about sort of, you know, doing this on your own, you can be the only one against this immovable object. How can parents do that? Like what, what are the resources or the, um, you know, what do we need to call upon within ourselves to, to continue on to sort of like hold our own integrity in the face of chaos or, uh, you know, abuse or anything, right. Emotional terrorism, like whatever it is, right. How, what lessons can the film give us about how to do that as parents, how to be the only one. First of all, the the really big gift, the really big takeaway is getting the insight for what's going on behind the scenes, all the things our kids are navigating that really don't get on our parenting radar. 
Um, so the first step is kind of raising our, our level of awareness. Like mm. how are we interpreting what we're seeing from our kids? And are we staying curious and open and asking questions? Are we validating our children's feelings? And I think the way to be fully present for our kids is we also have to be fully present for ourselves. Are we doing our work right and and sifting through those emotions and and staying very aware because most of us go around the course of our day we're not stopping to go hmm, gosh how am I how am I feeling today you know when <laughs> I get that text gosh I'm feeling pretty threatened or frustrated or we just shift into those old patterns of being kind of done this dance with our co-parent mm-hmm. and it's really easy to kind of just fall right in lockstep yeah, to mm-hmm. the way things have been. So if you want to create a change in the cycle, right, you've got to raise your level of awareness and then you've got to go the next step to figure out, okay, how can I do this differently? What would be one small action that I could do that could shift that dynamic just a little bit um, for my kids? I, I think yeah. the the other really important thing is to realize that the way we model doesn't just change our relationship with the co-parent. It also has the potential to change our children's relationships with themselves. Yeah. Um, one of the big takeaways for me was seeing how these kids really struggle to show up for themselves and to really consider what they needed. Yes. Above and beyond what others needed. And we're not just talking about just what their parents needed, but they take that kind of tendency to emotional caretake and be really focused on the external to all the other relationships in their lives. Like really being able to feel like they have a voice that they can express and, and get in touch with what it is they need in any given moment or to, you know, so if we want to, we really want to show up for our kids. And I think this shows up with a Jonah, the one that you said that's so articulate and insightful, kind of like our shining star in the film, um, (laughs) is that it was real, real clear that his parents created that space, right? That it was okay to talk about it. And the other really important thing that they did is that they said, you know what? We don't have it all figured out. Mm. Like we, we we don't know, but we're willing to talk about it and and to try to figure it out together. And yeah. I think that that's the other really important thing. As a parent, you don't have to have all the answers. Mm-hmm. You don't you don't have to have it all figured out. But you can say to your kids, "Hey, look, I'm I'm not sure what moving forward looks like. I don't I don't know what to do for this, but." How can we talk about it and and figure it out? And and I so appreciate you letting me know. Like, I don't have the answer, but I'm so glad that you trusted me enough to Mm -hmm. tell me how you're feeling in this moment. And now a quick word from our sponsor. So you guys, probably one of the most important things that you can do for yourself when you get divorced is to get new sheets for so many reasons. And I can't recommend Cozy Earth Sheets enough. Oprah named Cozy Earth Sheets as one of her favorite things, and they are also one of mine. All Cozy Earth products are made from responsibly sourced viscose from bamboo. And you guys, they are the softest sheets I have ever slept on. And what's more, Cozy Earth bedding is temperature regulating, which for a woman of my age is really important and pretty much life-changing. 
They also have loungewear that offers optimal comfort while maintaining a flattering and elegant fit, as well as premium bath products, which they offer in both a plush collection as well as their new waffle collection. And all of Cozy Earth's products come with a 10-year warranty. When you're starting again in a new home, you deserve to have the softest and most luxurious sheets available. And those, my friends, are Cozy Earth sheets. So the best news is that Cozy Earth is providing an exclusive offer for listeners of 35% off everything on their site when you use the code DSG at checkout. That's Divorce Survival Guide, DSG. So that's Cozy Earth. Dot com, and be sure to use the code DSG at checkout for 35% off. And now back to our show. And I think that a lot of the kids have this need. It's funny, I was talking to my daughter the other day about it, and she was looking over the script of the film, and she said, this is the most important thing. She kept saying, this is the most important thing. And it's it was about kids need to know what happened. You know, and it's a tricky thing because so tricky. Yes, because kids feel like yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, kids need to make sense of things, and if we don't help them make sense of things, they're going to come up with their own answers. And believe me, (laughs) as as everybody knows, kids have wild imaginations, and so if you can't help them make sense of it in some way, and this does not mean airing all of the dirty laundry of your relationship, um, you'll be doing a a great service to your kids. And I think, you know, Christina, um, uh, maybe you can put some parameters on what that really means in terms of, you know, what can we tell our kids that satisfies them enough so that they can construct a new worldview and, you know, and, and move forward? All I know, one thing I can say is part of that equation definitely has to be, this is not your fault. Yes, This is about the parents. That is incredibly important. How many kids, it really surprised me how many kids we interviewed talked about their concern of this being their fault. So that is one of the key things that needs to be said repeatedly. This is not about you. This is between mom and dad or mom and mom or dad and dad or whatever the constellation may be. And- Mm -hmm. And we still love you. And we, you know, we love you. We, and we are so happy you are our child. And if it's appropriate in some way, allow the kids to, to understand that they came of love, which in the vast majority of cases is the case, you know? Right. You know, and, and, and allow, you know, um, your parents to keep a, a photograph of both parents, the child and both parents in their room if they want. That's really important. My daughter's favorite photo is a photo of her dad and I holding her and she was about one. And that is such an emotional touchstone because to her, that means I came of love. There was love. And that is so important for a child to understand. One of the little boys, the youngest boy in the first film actually said, you know, you wonder do my parents really, did my parents really want me? Do I, but yes, you, you know, your yeah. parents want, want, you know, don't worry. Your parents wanted you. And it sounds like something we don't even have to say to our kids, but the truth is once the family begins to change shape, everything gets wacky from the child's perspective That's right. and yeah. they need, they, they need to be remembered. They were wanted. They are loved. It is not their fault. This is between the parents 
We still love you. We will always love you. And what else can you promise in that equation? You will always see your grandpa and your grandma. You know, uh, you will stay in the same school if not, or if not, you know, now you'll have two homes. I mean, the framing that we give to our children really is very supportive of them so that they can start dispelling these fears, some of which you wouldn't even imagine they would be thinking. Um, and that's why, as Christina says, it's really important to encourage that conversation because you'd be surprised what the kids come up with if they're really opening up. It's like, you're kidding. You think that? Well, no way. That's not going to happen. And that's such a relief to a child to be able to speak their greatest fears in relationship to their family change and have one or both parents ideally be able to calm, calm those fears. Right. Yeah. I think this is a really important message of the this film, the second film, right? Which is that the kids are do talk so much about tell your kids what's happening or what happened or why, right? And Christina and I talk about this all the time because there's a balance. There's a tricky balance here, right? They kids want to know what happened. But <laughs> and yeah. <laughs> it's not always in their best interest to quote, know what happened. Right. So like, how do you make sense of that? Um, how do you guys help parents make sense of that after watching the film? Because I would think that there's, there are parents, some parents out there who are going to watch this film and go, well, see, the, the kids need to know what happened. <laughs> they need to know why they, we need to tell them everything. How do you help parents walk that line? So I think the first piece of that is you you don't want to have an impulsive conversation ever mm -hmm. with your kids. Mm -hmm. And yeah. so I really encourage parents to spend some time thinking about how will you give your kids a context for understanding mm -hmm. how this family has changed? Because understanding why is like a, an important part of kids healing. But yeah. why does it mean we need to sink into all the gory details of who did what to whom and when and how and exposing them to all that adult information, right? right. Kids need some very clear, straightforward messages like, you know, our problems are not your problems. Yeah. Um, and, and if you can come up together with a reason why that is simple and straightforward, right? That that lets kids understand um, that's a balanced, you know, because when we get into this situation where we want to shift blame 100% on the other parent, um, you know, that that sets up a really difficult dynamic for kids as well, right? Yeah. Kids are kind of putting that victim, that role of looking at one parent as the victim in this situation mm -hmm. and the other right. as, you know, the one who created all the problems. Yeah, um, the perpetrator. Really. Yeah, the perpetrator, right? Yeah. The victim and the perpetrator. There we go. Yeah. Um, and that's not a good dynamic for them either. And and rarely, rarely, even in really difficult circumstances. And I'm not, and you and I talked about this in another episode, mm -hmm. not saying that if there was an abusive situation, that one parent should accept responsibility for that abusive situation. Yeah. But there is almost always um, each parent has some level of responsibility in the relationship, not being what they had hoped mm. for not mm -hmm. being successful. Um, yeah. and I also want to say that this whole idea of how parents relate to each other and kids having that context of understanding, it's not just about divorce, like kids in toxic 
marriage situations are going to exhibit the same symptoms as kids in toxic divorce situations. It is truly about how parents are relating to each other, how they're working out their conflicts. And even if one parent shifts that dynamic by not blaming, by not pointing the finger, but really saying, you know, they're two good people don't always make a good couple. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We weren't compatible. We weren't a fit, but we will yeah. always be your parents. And that is the one thread that we will, that will continue to connect us. We want to continue showing up for you. Even if one parent can give that message, kids are going to recognize it. They're going to gravitate toward it. It's going to be helpful for them. Kids will fare far better if one person gets gets it together than if nobody gets Mm -hmm. it together. Yeah. And so I would say in terms of circling back to your idea, like how do we get there? Again, think about process, script, find somebody to help you make Mm -hmm. sense of how you explain this if you're struggling. And there's three really important questions you can ask yourself. Like, how is this information? If you don't know, like you're not sure, should I share this? Should I not share it? Ask yourself, how's this going to benefit my kids? Yes. How's it going to impact their relationship with the other parent? Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, am I sharing this information because I feel that they really need to hear it or because I really need to tell it? You know, those are three really critical questions that you and I have talked about for that can Mm -hmm. kind of guide you. Yeah. On, on, you know, sorting that out because the quality of the marriage relationship does not determine the quality of the parent child relationship. And we have to be able to separate that and to realize just because we didn't work doesn't mean that that other person can't be a great parent to the children. Right. And I think also what often happens is that the kids get caught in the middle of dueling narratives. So, you know, mom is Mm -hmm. telling one story about blah, 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 blah. And the dad is telling another story. And there are two very different stories about what happened. And they're kind of imposing these narratives on the kids, right? They're kind of, they want their kid to adopt their version of the story. So when kids get two really conflicting versions of the story, you know, it, it could lead to a, a kid really not knowing who to trust or who to, who to believe. believe. And right. it puts a child in a position of either choosing one story or the other story, which feels like a betrayal of the other parent, or, or it, it puts the kids in a messy situation. And so, yeah. although it's not easy, believe me, ideally, I think if parents can kind of get on the same page with their messaging about this what happened or how are we presenting this, then I think that, yeah. again, it decreases the stress, you know, on the kids. And, and obviously, all these things we're talking about is they're difficult things, and that needs to be acknowledged, you know. But, you know, I think, at least for me, I find that when I get triggered, what's really helpful, if if, if my adrenaline shoots up or from through an email or conversation or a difficult interaction, I try to just take a breath and say, okay, I'm really angry or okay, I'm really triggered right now. And just try to take the time to reset before making my choices about what to do, you know? And so 
it's almost like a practice of just say noting, oh my God, that really got me angry or that really made me upset, you know, and just um, trying to calm down before I make the choice that's going to benefit me and my children the most at that moment. You know, we're always at the mercy of this uh, oftentimes we're at the mercy of the sort of antagonism or these triggers from the other parent or just the situation in general is triggering and difficult, you know? Um, and so it's just always t- trying if possible to take a moment to sort of calm down and reset um, before you do something in relation to your child that could, you know, stop yourself from, blasting the other parent in front of the child or walking into the room and bursting out crying in front of the child or whatever. I mean, just um, as hard as it is, kind of reset, you know, try to take the high road whenever possible and move forward knowing that we're all making mistakes. We're all trying to figure it out. And I want to add to that because if you can't come up with a common narrative, which lots and lots of parents, lots of people can't struggle with and can't, I think what we can communicate to our kids is this aspect of flexible thinking. We call it dialectical thinking. Mm-hmm. Um, and and it's two things can be true at the same time. Like, you know, one parent may have their perspective and I may have mine and they're different mm-hmm. and that's right. okay, right? Yeah. So we can say to our kids when they come with something the other parent told them and we can say, well, that that may be the way mom is seeing it. I have a different perspective. I don't agree with what dad said without necessarily jumping into defending our position or laying out our argument or trying to pull kids to, you know, because that just traps kids in a no-win situation. Because when kids get information from one parent, you know, just it's their reflex to go check it out with the other one, right? And you have kids in this position of being judge and jury, like who's telling me the truth? Should I believe this parent or this parent? That's a horrible place for kids to be in. And they don't want to believe, right? And I think that part of that is if 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 you if I say something negative about my co-parent, my child's like first impulse is like, I don't want to believe that about my about my dad. So I'm gonna go check it out with him because, and I'm not checking it out with him because I want the truth. I'm checking it out with him because I want him to tell me it's not true. Right. <laughs> right. That's so and important. So, And so then you're going, you know, you're going back and forth and back and forth. And it's like, right. And, you know, as, as Christina always says, like, what's the truth? Like whose truth, (laughs) you know? Right. Um, And, you know, I want to, before we wrap this up, because I think it's really important. Well, first of all, I want to say that we are going to be hosting a screening um, of this, and we will put the link to sign up for that in the show notes, because this film is so important that we are co-hosting a screening um, that's going to be on May 12th at 11 a.m. Pacific. It is for Mother's Day. So this is your Mother's Day present to yourself <laughs> and to your, most importantly, to your children um, to show up and and watch this film with us. There is a little boy, we're now a teenager, in this film who, in the first film, ripped your heart out. And in the second film, continues to rip your heart out. And I, and I just sort of want to touch on his story sort of quickly, because he is sort of the victim of all of this, right? He is the one whose parents just got it. I don't want to say wrong, but, but 
their interactions and their actions really put him in the middle and made him feel unwanted and unloved and and all. Can we speak to his story just a little bit? Are, are you you must be talking about Trevor, whose dad didn't show up for his sixth grade graduation. Yeah, think, yeah. yeah, I think, yeah, right. that that is a, I guess, not a typical situation where um, the parents are totally, totally alienated. And unfortunately, um, Trevor's, Trevor looks just like his dad. And so there he is in the household looking just like his dad every day and acting just like his dad. And his mother, who's very angry and resentful, is does not hesitate to pretty much give him a hard time, you know, and say, yeah, your dad ain't worth nothing. And you look just like your dad. And, um, and, you know, and, and yes, Trevor really is almost is sort of the touchstone for a lot of the kids sorrow in terms of their parents relationship ending. And, you know, we tried taking Trevor out at one point in our focus group of kids said, where did that kid go? He was our favorite kid. He was their favorite kid because there is sorrow. There is grief for kids. And I think Trevor represents that grief, even though each kid's story is different and they may have a very active dad in their lives. Trevor really represents the the sadness that this, these kids feel when the parents separate. And that's just something we as parents need to deal with. You know, yeah. um, the beauty of Trevor's story is that despite the difficulty of his kind of nuclear family situation and the all of the undercurrents of anger and resentment, Trevor is an incredible, has an incredible spirit. And thanks to sort of surrogate dads, including his pastor, who was a really key person in his life, who taught him how to be a quote unquote, how to be a man and how mm. to do right, how to be a good person. Trevor, Trevor's really flourishing and actually wants to become a judge someday oh, and wants that. to be dad of the year. He is, he loves children. He wants to raise children that know what it's like to have an active father um, that knows how to make good choices. So I think Trevor is a, a, a great beacon for us all because mm. You know, I, I hesitate to use the word resilient, but we as human beings are resilient and our children are. Our children can move out of the, the difficulties of their lives and have a, a positive, flourishing life with good values and good vision for the future. And I think Trevor really represents that, both that, yeah. both the, the deepest of struggles and the greatest of resilience. Yeah, I think Trevor he- also highlights another experience. Um which lots of kids can relate to and we don't always catch as parents. So we might not overtly be criticizing the other parent, but we make lots of negative comparisons, right? Oh, you're so stubborn, just like your dad, or you're Uh such a drama queen, just like your mom, you know, and and that sticks, that sticks Mm -hmm. in such a really profound way with kids as they move forward. And even if you don't say, you're like the negative thing, like your dad, when you say, um, even if you say something positive, right. Oh, you know, you're just like your dad in this, in this sort of benign way. If I've then been saying negative things about their dad in other conversations, then I am right. Like, so it's not just the overt Mm -hmm. comparisons, right. It's, it's all the other comparisons, but then that, but then you're saying, if you're saying something, even if it's positive, but you've also said something negative about the dad, right? Or the other parent, then 
right? The, the message is, is a little confusing. So, all right. So where, besides our screening, which we will have, we will have information in the show notes, a link, I think that's going to be kateanthony.com slash split uh, to sign up for our special screening of the film on May 12th. But where else can people watch the film if they can't attend our screening? We're going to have a Q&A after our screening, by the way. So you totally want to come to ours. But <laughs> also, <laughs> they can go to our website, splitfilm.org. And they can f- have, there's a lot of information there on how to screen the film, you know, how to get the, the film guide and a lot of other material that's really helpful for parents. So that's yes. splitfilm.org. And yeah, both- you can see a trailer for both of the films. Ah, Yes, that's right. So if you Mm -hmm. want a little glimpse, a little teaser of what what will be in store for you in screening these films on the event that we're we're collaborating on, go go to the homepage and take a look. Absolutely. Yep. Splitfilm.org. You can watch the trailers for both films. And Ellen Bruno, Christina McGee, thank you so much for coming on and talking about these extraordinary films. And congratulations. I know this was a an, an immense labor of love and commitment and getting this film complete. Uh, and I'm so glad that you that you did. <laughs> so thank you, Kate. Thank you so much. Yes, thanks for all the support, Kate. Always. I love you guys. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Divorce Survival Guide Podcast. If you like what you hear, head on over to Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen in and leave me a review. And don't forget to follow me on Instagram at The Divorce Survival Guide. I'll see you next time. And until then, remember, you, my love, deserve to be happy.